0: Ladies and gentlemen, by way of introduction, this is a podcast about trickery, fraud, and lies. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Any chance I can get to, like, imbu- like inject like some of the actual dialogue from the movie? Why the fuck not? Uh, welcome to The Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Lee. Hello. And what a weird fucking movie we have this week. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It is it's it is an odd, odd fucking movie. It is Orson Welles's. what year was it again? 73. Ni- yeah, 1972. Two. Documentary, I guess we call it. Yeah. Uh, F for fake. Mm-hmm. F for yeah. fake. Yeah. Um, this is one that I had actually seen before.
1: Wow. Yeah. Why, 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 why
0: did you? I'm holding up the fact that I own the DVD of it to lead to sheer amazement. Oh,
1: and by the way, let's splice in here that we are doing this through Zoom, as where we are in the world is currently in a lockdown. So, if we sound a little bit not as good, it's because it's through Zoom.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Unfortunately, we're back into a uh, heavy lockdown here in Melbourne, so... uh, We're back recording via Zoom. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. yeah. Hopefully it won't be too long.
0: Exactly. Take advantage of, you know, being able to work from home and having, you know, the advantage to be able to do some of it, do it via Zoom is better than not doing it at all. That's true. Hmm.
1: Now, back to the cover. Did you see it and then buy it? Or did you buy it, then see it?
0: I had always known about it. um, And this was one that I found at, uh, there's a great... Secondhand store. There's actually two of them here in Melbourne called Dixon's Recycled. Uh, just shout out to Chris and the guys there. That they're, they're, they're awesome store. <laughs> um, but it, it's kind of as I've always said, like the the availability of Criterion's being so scarce here in Australia, especially back in the day. You know, before they were widely available on Amazon and stuff, you can order them. Um, whenever you would find one in the wild, it's just like fuck it, I'll just buy it.
1: I love that, in the wild. So yeah. this is definitely one you'd heard about, you discovered it on a wild hunt, and
0: you thought, mm-hmm.
1: fuck it, I'm going to get it.
0: Yep, and then I watched it, and I was like, what the fuck was that?
1: <laughs> okay, because I can't really gauge you, because we're not watching it together like we normally would. Yep. Um, so, straight off the bat, what what do you, th- maybe we'll start with the
0: blurb. Alright, alright. Start with the blurb,
1: let's get that out of the way.
0: Sure. Uh, trickery, deceit, magic. In Orson Welles' freeform documentary F for Fake, blah, 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 <laughs> the, the legendary filmmaker and self-described charlatan gleefully engages the central preoccupation of his career, the tenuous line between truth and illusion, art and lies, beginning with portraits of world-renowned art forger Elmira de Horay and the unique, uh, equally devious biographer Clifford Irving. Uh, Wells embarks on a dizzying cinematic journey that simultaneously exposes and reveals and, sorry, simultaneously exposes and revels in fakery and fakers of all stripes, not the least of whom is Wells himself. Charming and innovative F for fake is an inspiring prank and a searching examination on the essential duplicity of cinema. Yep. Did that help at all?
1: Dizzying (laughs) Dizzing is definitely the word.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is fucking nuts to watch. Yeah, um, especially as like a totally independent film from 1972. Um, it is cut with such frenetic, hectic energy that it's like well, I, I've widely I've seen a lot of articles and read up on this film where it's described as essentially the first video essay. Mm and which makes so much sense watching it under that context because you're like this feels like a ADD person's youtube video <laughs> 100%.
1: Yeah, where yes. it's
0: like trying to connect and string together all of these narratives and I think it does it about 50% successfully.
1: There's moments where we hear we get a story. Someone in this mess is telling us a story and it slows down and That's where I'm interested. Everything else, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on?
0: It's a little bit too kinetic for its own good, where it's like, it's intercut with like interviews and then Wells' narration and then his shots of the monkey pecking the guy's eyebrows and then his shots of, like, what, it's like, slow the fuck down movie. Like, we're Mm. just, but I guess that's kind of the point, I guess. Like, it's trying to be as chaotic as the world of fakery can be.
1: Yes. I guess um, so. I, I picked up on that as well. I'm like, he's trying to achieve a sense of uh, confusion in his audience because the art audience is, well, the art world is confusing. Yeah. Yeah. D- did I enjoy it? No. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that, that was that was going to be my next question. So, yeah, I this was now the second time I've watched this mm-hmm. and I've actually watched some stuff on it earlier today, like, to kind of prep myself. Um, I probably should have sent you those links, I'm sorry. Nah. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, but it's still a film that I'm trying to unpack myself. It's one that I still never quite have gotten fully. Um, and in that, like, I get it, like, what it's doing and saying, but it's just in terms of how he's doing it. It, It's so fucking full on at points.
1: Um... <laughs> My favourite parts, though, were like him eating in a restaurant.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then they take the. Can you please take. He stops what he's oh. saying. He's in the middle of doing a monologue narration to us, the audience. And it's not like even a voiceover one. It's him directly with like the other people that he's making the film with in a restaurant, looking down the barrel of the camera, addressing us personally, the audience. But meanwhile, there's a waiter nearby. Excuse me, sir, you take this away and bring the steak, I'll oh Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it's... it's just
1: like... And then he cuts off and there's no... Like, he started to tell us something and then he
0: never finishes. No, because the waiter's nearby and Orson needs more steak. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so he's, there's, he's not quite a California champagne commercial drunk in this, <laughs> but... By the way, if, if no one has ever if you if you're listening, you've never seen those, just look up Orson Wells' champagne commercial on YouTube and it's some of the greatest acting? Mm. <laughs> it's Orson very, very drunk late in his career. Like actually around the same time of this movie, actually. Oh my god. Um, doing a commercial for a California vineyard and <laughs> Ah the French. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's magical. <laughs> Um, so like but yeah, okay.
1: I was going to say on that point, um, it's almost like he's Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. You know, like conversations between him and the people next to him at a restaurant.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, conversations at people's houses. You can sort of see where this, where it would eventually get to in yes. modern, uh, times. Uh, uh, there's elements of it that are really good and would later become things like Anthony Bourdain and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a, a it, lot of it was just too much.
0: It, it's re it's a really tough sit, um, for long stretches of it. There are, there are sections of the film that are super entertaining and really enjoyable. Yeah. But it, it just doesn't, I think it's a matter of its pace. Like you said, when the film slows down, that's when it gets really engaging because whether or not, like, you know, he's wherever he is in his career, Orson Welles is a captivating storyteller. Like, that is what he is known for.
1: And he's an amazing voice.
0: Yeah. An amazing like, voice. So, so when it gets to the point of him trying, like, you know, explaining... It's in the back half, really, where he's talking about all the all the stuff with Howard Hughes. It's super fascinating. Yeah. And engaging as fuck. Yeah and it's it's I think it is because he's slowed it, it's something he's very familiar with, so he's able to slow down and actually pontificate on it and like really kind of flesh that those stories out whereas all the stuff with the art forgery and uh Irving the biographer or biographer is awesome <laughs> um it's 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 kind of happening to him on the fly and he's he's kind of it's almost like the film is trying to process it as it's occurring, mm. and it's it's really hectic. Uh,
1: my favourite story he told was uh, about the art curator, and um, Elma, or Elmia, um, kept bringing him these same paintings by this same artist, and then, oh, I've got mm. some new ones, and okay, this is my last one by this painter, I promise you. And, oh, actually, I've got ten more. Like, And he just kept going, he's like... And then the art curator says to him, if you've got anything by Soutine, or whatever the artist oh, was... It
0: was, it was uh, medigliani's, but uh, a specific, por- like... Portrait
1: of yeah, one of by the friends who's, yeah. our, who's also a painter at that time. If you've got one of those, I would just, you know... And then he's like, oh, I don't have one of those. And then the next day he's like, oh, well, I was rifling through my things. And I, and like, that was a great Turns story. Yeah. yeah. It was a good story. Very entertaining. And I liked the Anthony Bourdainness of it. The guy is telling us the story over drinks at a restaurant. And I yeah. think that's kind of what Austin Wells wanted. He wanted that sort of authentic, you know, this is probably what he's doing a lot in his life at this moment, is going to restaurants, getting drunk and, Talking, holding court, yeah, yeah. And talking on um, and and um, yeah, it's probably that time Ste- of his steak life. Alpoise. Having <laughs> steaks, and yeah. he probably wants to, as a filmmaker, capture that. Um, but also, I feel like he wants to do the art, sort of like a new wave, experimental kind of bullshit thing. Yeah, you know? and that it's almost like he. He's not quite sure what he's doing, but when it does slow down and we do have those funny conversations between the people, whether it's, I don't know, I like, there's some stuff at a party as well. Mm. He's, um, Amir is telling a story at a party and it's at a real party, you know, I liked all that stuff. I thought that was good, but, um... The cutting, like, one scene. I don't even know if you call it a scene because there's really no start or finish. It's just images, 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 something else, something else. Back to Orson Wells, And that was the other thing. I reckon Awesome Wells was my least favourite thing in this film. When he would talk, I didn't know who this film was really about. Is yeah. it about Orson Welles? Is it about Amir? Is it about Clifford? Is it about Picasso? Is it about...
0: Howard Hughes. <laughs> Is it about Howard Hughes?
1: And... And so I'm sort of not really, I know it's about um, being false and fake and all that sort yeah. of thing and how it can be across multi um, art forms and, you know, it's a bit of a self-reflective thing, but uh, I don't know. Like, I again, I keep bringing up Anthony Bourdain because Anthony Bourdain's, you know, shows, it'll be, it's about cuisine. So it'll be about, a certain place or a certain type of food, and then we meet people, and we don't really get introduced to them properly. We sit with them, we have like we watch them eat, we watch them walk, we watch them go to a party. But at the end of the day, it's very clear what we're doing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah, all yeah. that sort of experiency kind of thing. But at the end of the an episode, you'll feel like I feel like I've been to this place or I've tried this food.
0: I've, I've experienced what he's trying to get across.
1: Yeah. Whereas yeah. this was for me, it was almost that kind of thing. it's like he wanted to do that, but he also wanted to do twenty thousand other things
0: yeah it it's that's why I kind of at the beginning you said like an add YouTube <laughs> video um but i you'd mentioned something there about like how it's kind of trying to capture the energy of like the new wave or something yeah, and I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there where it is wells as a filmmaker who is definitely not at the peak of his Career, he's you know very much waning at this point. Mm. Um, You know, has trouble getting films made. To be honest, yeah. And he, I mean, I'm not the biggest. Well, I'm really breezing over the the facts here. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Just for the sake of anyone sitting there at home listening and wagging their finger, like no, no, no. I'm like just for the sake of brevity. Yeah. Um, I, I, it seems to me that he's seeing the new wave cinema that's coming out of because it's 1972. So it's it's he's seeing the films of the last, you know, 10, 15 years coming out of France and Germany and things and seeing this new way that you're able to construct and invent cinema. And he was one of the early directors that shook shit up. Like, Citizen Kane, there's, like, the famous story of you don't put... It's, like, the first film to show roofs because the camera is so low at the angles. That's right,
1: yeah. And it
0: was, like... And Wells was, like, it's not low enough. Dig a hole. Yeah. And, like, put the camera and the cameraman down so it can get the... Like, you know, he... He shook things up in terms of the form and way cinema was presented, and I think he's seen a lot of the chaos that's coming out of the new wave, in particular, uh, Goddard, uh, that old guy.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: The hecticness and the kind of spasmodic, kind of fractured way that he's presenting ideas and images. Wells is like, oh, let's play with that. Which is like, his main setting for the film where he's presenting it is from a fucking editing bay. Yeah. He's, he's, it's pretty, it's like a, big a clear signifier. it's like him sitting behind a Steenbeck editing machine fucking with film. Yeah. And like, how he's presenting the story and how he's telling us that, which is kind of, I guess, the thing of what he, how he's likening himself and what he does into the world of trickery. Yes. In, in like, you know, it, it's a very subtle way to say that, you know, film itself is a form of tricking an audience. Yeah. Yeah. He's a charlatan, he's dubious,
1: he's all these things, just like the people he's... But my thing is, he didn't spend a night like, what's the story he's telling? Who is the story? Who are we focusing on? Where are we going?
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yes. That's it. Like, that's it. He's taking these ideas and these elements, and he's melding them together, and I get... It's like, I get it. You want to say that... The art f- isn't it ironic that this there's this famous art forger, and then the, there's this famous writer who got this writer who got famous by writing a biography about this forgery guy who now himself has become a con artist and a forger, and now you're going to liken that to yourself and what you do as an art form because the tenuous connection that you once had with Howard Hughes, and then you're going to tell end it off by telling us a fake story, yeah, involving so your like, new I, wife. I, So it's, yeah, so it's these things of like, oh, I get it. You're trying to kind of draw these connections together and kind of, in that way, fuck with the form of what a documentary can be. You're not telling a straight narrative. That's why it's like a video essay. It's, Mm. I'm showing you that this is connected to this, which is connected to this and this. But it's not necessarily effective. No. Yeah.
1: And for me, it's the, I'm going to pull away from where we are now, put the camera back on me. While I strut around with my cigar and Oh, and
0: do a monologue of Rudyard Kipling's writings. Yes.
1: <laughs> and there was another one later on as well. Yeah. And it, we were just understanding Elmira or Clifford or uh whoever and then you've you've sucked us away and now you're talking rubbish. I don't know, not rubbish, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah. And it is so disconnected and disjointed and I lost interest, I've gotta be honest. Okay, um, um, I am poo pooing on it, and no, I no. and I mean that too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am shitting on the film, but I want you to know, I mean it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you. I, I mean, definitely. It's. I don't think it's an effective film. I think it's interesting, if that makes sense. I think the one thing Wells does success. What it does successfully is create a new form of documentary storytelling that is an ev- evoking, a, essentially, a narrative structure where it is building up one... Like, you've got an A plot, a B plot, and a C plot all kind of happening simultaneously. Yeah. And he's, like, building one up. Let's cut over to see what this one is happening now. Yeah. Then build this one up, cut. Trying to intercut these multiple narratives as opposed to just presenting one straight through... This is then how this is connected to this, and then this is how this is connected to this. He's trying to do it all at once. I think, think, yeah, bringing in those kind of fictional elements of narrative storytelling into documentary.
1: I think um, he's unhinged, and you mentioned that this was independent, Mm -hmm. and you can tell. It's like the concepts there, the ideas there, the experimentations there, it's all there. But someone just needed to tell him to tone it down a bit. Or, I don't know, like someone, he, you can tell straight away that he's the king on top of the castle in this film. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And do you know what I mean? Like he, he's calling all the shots and no one is telling him what is good or bad. Yeah. He's just doing whatever the fuck he wants and it's unhinged.
0: You know, that's kind of what ended up happening with the production of the film. He was brought in to help edit this thing, and he was kind of then took it over and created this new beast.
1: Uh-huh. I can tell. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's shot in the editing room. Whether it's the yeah. actual editing room or not, I don't know, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, but like I said, it, like that's the thing that grabs me with it, is that it's... it's... He's trying to bring in fictional storytelling devices into a narrative story. It doesn't work, but... But it, it it's super fascinating, and I think it really helped redefine what document it like video essays would become.
1: Yeah, definitely. I it, love video not, essays. It's not
0: a, it's not a documentary because it's not necessarily telling a straightforward narrative. Yeah, not that you know documentaries necessarily always have to. But it's that's why I keep saying video essay because it's it's bringing all these disparate ideas together and presenting to the audience how and why these are connected. Hmm. Yeah. And then it leaves you going, like, think about that. And you're like, no thanks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. And you mentioned video essay before um, we watched. Yeah. Um, which I think helped me a lot. And mm. also, I'm glad that I'm this far into the Criterion Quest before I watched this. Because I do know Godard now. Yeah. And I know a little bit about New Wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. French New Wave, yeah. at least. And I can see the influences that got him to this point. Yeah. And I'm not just, like, lost. I'm actually really grateful that I've had what I've had before this.
0: Yeah. Well, what did you... Like, the influence, uh, to me, it came across as, like... It's like he's watched, like, Goddard and what he does with film and is like, I want to do that. Yeah. Without actually understanding why.
1: Okay, I've got a theory. Yep. Orson Welles is having a Madonna phase, where he's <laughs> reinventing himself to be yep. cool like the young kids are.
0: Yep. I, i fucking yep. I, I, I endorse that wholeheartedly. <laughs> you said
1: like back in his day, Citizen Kane, all that
0: time. Oh, even pre that, as like the Mercury Mercury Theatre as the actor. Like, yeah, yeah, amazing. He, he was then... amazing,
1: top of his game, or you know, awesome. Yeah. now. He's probably had one too many dinners and wines, and read too many books. And he,
0: let's be honest, he ate Orson Welles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we're gonna go to hell! <laughs> 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 ah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's a very interesting film. Um, I I love that something as bizarre as this is in the collection. Yeah, but. It, it it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah mm. <laughs> ah the French
1: <laughs> no I know what you're saying there's a lot of interesting things in it and um he's having a go he's giving it a red hot go good yes. on him
0: yeah <laughs> um what it, what I found super interesting is like yeah it's it, it Why I said, like, you know, it's, it's the interesting idea of presenting all this, you know, disparate things, and then at the end it's like, hey, ponder on that audience. What I think is the most, it's simultaneously, like, the most engaging part of the film, and also the biggest kind of fuck you to the audience at the same time, is the last 29 minutes.
1: Yeah, because he tells us, I'll give you an hour of
0: truth. For the next hour, everything I'm going to say is 100% truthful. Yes and then but the film goes for an hour 29 minutes
1: so yeah
0: and so he ends with telling this story because at the beginning we're presented with oh yeah and Mm. you're like and her yeah and it's like it almost looks like I'm Orson Welles and this is candid camera (laughs) (laughs) because it's it's him presenting like like Eric Andre show footage or something like you're waiting for like her hand, hand to get stuck in a blender I don't know yeah yeah um and it's it's this kind of bizarre b-roll stuff, and you're like, well what the what the fuck does this have to do
2: with they the fakers
0: it. and the forgery and what what's happening here? Yes. And then once we're done with Amir's, Amir's story and Irving's story and the Howard Hughes stuff is all wrapped up, he's like, now we're gonna get back to Oya's story. And it's completely fake. Mm. And it it to me as as like, the way that a film is constructed, that's that's your third act. That's mm-hmm. where you're trying to wrap up what you're saying as a film. And, I mean, I I get, yeah, the film itself is saying, like, everything is, you know, all art is fake and blah, blah, blah. Like, I get that. But it seems like the biggest middle finger to the audience.
1: Yeah. What do you it's, mean, though, like, as in?
0: I find it really unsatisfying in oh, that it's... Yeah. It, it's he's working so hard to set up this interesting statement about art being fake that he has to end it all. Like, I, I know I'm, I'm I'm, contradicting myself at the same time, but I like saying, like...
1: It's almost like when something's, you know, new wave or deconstructing how film's supposed to be, then you're not allowed to comment on it. Oh, but yeah. that was done on purpose, you know? Yeah.
0: It's, it's the whole thing of him being like, I'm going to show you how essentially all art is fake and everyone's being a charlatan with presenting a fake thing within a documentary, therefore proving my point. Yeah. But me as an audience member, I'm, like, annoyed by it. Just me, personally, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. I, like, you... You'd made that point before better, I think, by likening it to yourself with all of your history with War of the Worlds. That, I I'd was li-
1: just about to say that. That would yeah. that hit the nail on the head for me. That was that was a brilliant correlation, you know.
0: And, and if he'd kind of done something like that towards the end where it's like, how I'm tying this all together with what I do as a filmmaker and an artist, and here's my story and how I connect with these people, great.
1: Mm. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Fucking three and a half stars, buddy. Well done.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I but, really agree because of all that stuff of Oya oh yeah, walking around and the male gaze and all that. It's sed- seducing of shit.
0: Pablo Picasso,
1: like that was just like pointless.
0: That just that
1: had no. It, no sorry, it wasn't pointless. It was just like meh.
0: It, it's the equivalent of in a narrative film of being like, and then I woke up and it was all a dream. Yeah. And you're like, well, what? Yeah, it's not the Wizard
1: of Oz here. It's, it's um,
0: like uh, I'm just likening it to the new Star Wars movies. It's like in <laughs> last in Last Jedi, they're like Rey's related to nobody, and then Rise of Skywalker, it's like ah, never mind about that. Actually, she's actually a palpit. Like what the fuck? Uh, like fuck you all. Like negate. Yeah, who gives a shit? I hadn't seen it, but I hadn't... There was, po- a, there was a great interview that came out this week with J.J. Abrams. Um, this gives you a hint of when we're recording this, I guess. <laughs> um, where J.J. Abrams is like actually being like, yeah, maybe it would have been better if we had planned those movies.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably.
0: Um, like this one. This one yeah. could have done with some planning. It, I think it had too much planning over red wine dinners it's... and steak au poivre. That it's just like, I want to do this, and this, and this, and this, and this.
1: Ah. Yeah, that's what I mean about unhinged, or maybe, I don't know what the word is, but it's like, he was free to do whatever he wanted, and it Mm. shows, and it's not, it's not necessarily a good thing that he had complete free rent. It's his film, it's an independent film, but this, this is, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, here's an idea. How would you have felt if the film opened with the whole story of Oya and Picasso and stuff as a kind of entree into the world of art forgery.
1: Like a um Like a like prologue a tease, almost. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like here's a story we've created to kind of dip your toes in and get you acclimated into this world that we're gonna tell a provocation. Show you. Provocation. Yeah. And then at the end kind of wrapping it up into the whole idea of War that of was world. that was fake, like everything else I've done in my career, art is a lie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know. I yeah, but having oh, it at the end is so that odd thing, to me.
1: That you know what that would have been so much better because what we're we we start with is him doing a magic trick on a train station to a kid, and it is uncomfortable. Yes. Um. <laughs> but Very. I think um you know all that magic shit could have gone as well. Like that was just. A- Atrocious, But yeah. I think um, you're right. That would have been a great provocation to start the film off with. You have no idea that it's fake. Mm. You go along with it. And then at the end, like they say at the end, wrapping it up, it's it, that was fake story. And then, oh, F is for fake, fake. And yeah. then it has like a yeah. theme
0: song. F, F is rolls, for yeah. fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just by... Because by the time we get to that part of the film... Everything else has been wrapped up, and we don't necessarily... It, it, it almost seems like, you get it? You get it? Mm. And we're like, yeah, man, we fucking got it. Oh, and my God. And you, you make me feel like shit for investing in this story that you were telling me.
1: The, um... What was I going to say? The
0: amount of times
1: I screamed at the television, we get it! <laughs> During this. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. It's
0: No, no, it's, like, Yeah. I'm with you, buddy. It's, okay. Like I said, I I do enjoy the film a lot more than you do.
1: <laughs> this could be my least favorite. Wow. So far.
0: Okay. This... I want to show you. I want to show you some stuff then later because okay. there's um, uh, some great adventures in movie going up on the Criterion Channel where it's uh I think you've got Ryan Johnson who made um. Which is probably why I evoked Star Wars. Um, yeah. But yeah, the guy that made like Looper and Brick and Knives Out and things, he mm-hmm. loves it, so it's him talking about it. He loves Peter, it. Yeah, Peter Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. And the weirdest one is Alan Cumming, the actor. What a name. I know, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's a bunch of people discussing there. And then um, the I think what plants the idea for me of the video essay thing, and I'd seen this video a few times um, after watching the film, uh, the great channel Every Frame a Painting, the YouTube channel. Oh, yes. He has a video on this film and how it's... What taught him how to construct a video essay was this film. It's kind of like his Bible in terms of how you construct a narrative for a video essay.
1: Okay. Now yeah. I feel like a philistine.
0: But no, you know no. what?
1: I don't. This is my opinion and that's valid. Yeah.
0: Oh, no. But that's it. Like, that, it's... Like, re-watching that video today, the Every Framer Painting one, I 100% get and agree with everything he's saying. But he's not saying whether it's a good film or not. He's just saying, this is what taught me how to understand the structure of video essays. I'm like, yes, I 100% agree. Don't find it engaging, though.
1: No, not at all. Yeah. Engaging?
0: Very little. Yeah. I'm, I'm very literally <laughs> engaged. Which is... Baffling because Wells, like like we said, there are the few moments where he really hones in and gets you, and you're engaged and you want to know what's going on. But then yeah. it just kind of nothing. Yeah,
1: you're right. There are moments that are um, very engaging, I should say. Like I said, he's got, he's almost got it. It's like, yeah, I really do believe if someone had come in and sort of edited it for him, or toned it down, or or maybe, um, I don't know, just made it more concise or something, it would have been amazing for me. Mm. Um, Because, yeah, I just think... Oh, fuck, sorry. I thought I spilled my beer. (laughs) Um, I just think, um, yeah, not much, really.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And and the problem is, like, this is going to be a short episode, because what, like... There's not much to go into with this because it's a it's a short film itself. Yeah. But it's also so chaotic and so frenetic and it's the like how many times can we go over being like it's saying that art is fake. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like once once you state the thesis statement of the film, you're like yeah, and they present it in such a hitting you over the head way.
1: And I think like are we not I feel like it said the same thing over and over and over yeah, and over, and, yeah, over yeah. and over and over and over again. That yeah. That we've said it now.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, this podcast could become like F for Fake and just keep going on and on and on and on. And <laughs> yeah. But I, I would say for those who haven't seen it or or are kind of interested, maybe, mm-hmm. it, it's it's super... Like I find it fascinating as a... Weird anomaly in documentary filmmaking that I think has inspired and kind of helped create what video essays, as we know them now, and they're so fucking prevalent and popular, um, it's kind of almost the Rosetta Stone for that. Mm. Um, so it's interesting to watch in that regard. Um, it is chaotic as fuck and unhinged. Unhinged is the best word.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, you're, if you're a film nerd, it's probably one you should see.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, that's... But all. otherwise... Just give it a skip. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I do enjoy parts of it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very intrigued though to find out what one person will think of this film. Um, do I tell her it's a documentary? Oh, uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, we'll, we'll tell her. I'll we'll tell her it's a documentary in Orson Welles, and we'll wait and see what uh what she thinks it's about. It's time to hear what Claire thinks F for Fake is about. Right, that music means it is time once again for Claire's What's that movie about? So you remember this time because we're recording these back to back from the previous episode, <laughs> so you're all over it. <laughs> once again, you have the luxury of the physical copy in front of you here. We have F four fake from nineteen seventy-two. Awesome it is else. in English.
2: This is one that's, like, on my to-watch list. Do I know anything about it?
0: No. You also see that it says Orson Welles's Yeah. F for fake.
2: Hmm. So, there's a guy. And he... No, that's third man. Fuck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's Carol Reed's third man.
2: I was like, he finds his friend dead. No. Um, hmm, hmm. But there is definitely some fakery going on. Ooh, what else could you fake? They're faking diamonds. Okay. Yeah, so there's this, like, ring of, like, people that are faking diamonds and, like, selling them for way too much money. And then there's this other guy that feels bad about it and goes on, like, a rampage, just, like, finding all the fake diamonds, getting all the people in trouble, sending them off to the police. So he's, like...
0: Unfaking it. I, I get you. I get, yeah. Okay, un- unfaking it. Unf. Un- f for unfake.
2: He's. Yeah, <laughs> f- for un- no, he, he, so he's upset about the fakes, and he's gonna fuck them all up.
0: All right. <clears throat> yeah,
2: that's the f-, f. Fuck them all up.
0: Do you want to hear what it's actually about?
2: Yeah, because I had no idea. <laughs> there was no information on the front cover. Yeah, it's a very mis-
0: mischievous cover like, and it's mysterious, just smoky and. And he's got his little white gloves.
2: Yeah, that's what made me think diamonds, like, okay. touch.
0: Trickery, Deceit, Magic. In Orson Welles' free-form documentary... What? F for Fake, the legendary filmmaker and self-described charlatan, <laughs> gleefully engages in the central preoccupation of his career, the tenuous line between truth and illusion, art and lies. Beginning with portraits of, of world-renowned art forger Elmire de Horay and his uniquely devious biographer, Clifford Irving, Wells embarks on a dizzying cinematic journey that simultaneously exposes and revels in fakery and fakers of all stripes.
2: Including diamond fakers.
0: <laughs> Not least of whom is Wells himself. <laughs> yes. Okay, so... I
2: was going with the narrative.
0: Yeah, I probably should have told you that one was a doco. But yeah. Oh, well. Oh, yeah, well. I, la- I want to see Orson Welles' Diamond Thief movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when he, he's drunk and wanting to take our poivre. Alright. So, I guess the other thing that we have to do wrapping up this episode is a couple of taglines.
1: Yes. Okay. I want you to go first. Okay. Do you want me to go first? I've got no, my no, I'll go I'll go, go. I'll go. You go. You go. You uh, go.
0: I'm really hoping they're very similar, to be honest. Ooh, okay. F for fake. F also for fucking what? <laughs>
1: Love it Yep Hit the nail on the head there Okay You're going to hate me When you have to make the poster Because this Mm -hmm. is a long one No no Okay The following tale is true And by true I mean false It's all lies But They're entertaining lies And in the end Isn't that the real truth The answer is No (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love it A little bit of a Simpsons
1: quote there Yeah
0: yeah That was fantastic (laughs) Like, I I will say there was a couple of moments watching this um, over Zoom together where it's like, yeah, we got some enjoyment out of, like, the Howard Hughes. (laughs) I said, hop in. (laughs) There there were a couple of times we mentioned Simpsons while watching this. Yes. Yes.
1: And and Mm. we were saying um, before we watched this, we were talking about um, Heavenly Creatures. Yeah, yeah. And I remember um, the girls in that are just terrified of Orson Welles. And they get too far in their imagination that when they turn down a dark corner, there's Orson Welles. He pops out of the shadows, and I'm like, now I'm scared of Orson Welles.
0: Yeah, because he's just spilling red wine and rambling. (laughs) (laughs) Let me read some Kipling to you. (laughs) Ugh. Yeah. Mm. Oh, how the mighty... I I do love the... He does have the quote about starting his career, how he lied in the UK about... in London about being a famous actor in New York and that's how he got his start on the stage. He's like, I started from the top and have been working my way down ever since. (laughs) And you're like, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There's another bit where he said at the very, very beginning... Oh, art and something, something, you know, for all us beautiful people, there's a shot of his massive gut. And, and he's got, like, the glass of wine, he's like, Like, <laughs> yeah. is he conscious of how ridiculous he looks at no. times? No. Not at all. It's no, not He's he, not being is, funny. He's no, being serious.
0: pure arrogance and ego and pretentiousness.
1: Him in his long cape with his hat and his cigar.
0: Yeah. His moo-moos, yeah.
1: Oh, my God. It, it's he's not same... being funny?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> he he, be- he! became a walking caricature towards the end of his life and career. Same as Marlon Brando. Oh, it's just yes. The fucking ego and chip on these guys' shoulders. Like, amazing talents. Like, uh, undeniable. But that broken ego turning them into absolute bedraggled monsters. <laughs> <laughs> bedraggled?
1: Bedraggled? Yes, didn't um, Marlon Brando refuse to wear pants and only ate cheeseburgers on his island while he sniffed cocaine? Or is that just a.
0: Oh, that's. Ki- you've kind of merged together stories from the making of the score and then the plot of the island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> 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 cool. <laughs> Which is where mini Me comes from because he out of nowhere Marlon Brando was like, I want to have a little person who looks exactly like me and is dressed like me <laughs> and just sits there. Whoa. That's not in the so- in the source material, but yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Fun. But yeah, ego ego, I guess, yeah, because Austin Wells super talented and he engages you in this film, but That's it's almost thing. like the the film gets in the way of itself.
1: Yeah. There is a lot of talent in this film. It's like, that's what I mean. Like, he's thrown everything but the kitchen sink at this film. Like, there's mm. too much going on. And it is not... I don't need to be... I don't need to enjoy... Like, I don't need to be entertained. Like, are you yeah. entertained? Yeah. Are you not entertained? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, I need to... I don't know. Throw
0: me a bone. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit of cohesion yeah. would have been a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. Um, do you want to hear a little bit of trivia that we haven't actually sure. said? Um, duh, duh, duh. Uh, so, Wells apparently filmed a trailer for the movie that lasted for nine minutes. Of course he did. And featured several shots <laughs> of a topless Oya. Nice. Uh, the trailer was rejected by the US distributor. <laughs> Is it on the DVD? Um, I don't... Extended nine-minute trailer. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Can I,
1: can I just pause there? This is his new wife, right? This lady?
0: Uh, g- girlfriend at the time. Girlfriend, okay. He
1: is just, like... A butterball? Yeah. He's having a wet dream while making this film.
0: oh yeah. gross. Oh, yeah. It is male-gazy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, like- it's, it's, it's borderline creepy at some Ooh. points, which is why it's so... That whole ending story is almost even more upsetting, the whole Picasso thing, because it's like, my girlfriend is so hot that even Pablo Picasso wanted to fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, ew, dude.
1: Ew. <laughs> ew.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she was uh, Wells's real-life girlfriend at the time. Uh, this was what I found really bizarre, but I guess it fucking arrogantly leans into it all. Uh, the ex uh, the excerpt of the legendary nineteen thirties war of the worlds broadcast uh, that was kind of shown in the film uh, is actually a recreation, and none of the dialogue heard in the film actually matches the original radio broadcast. So it itself is even fake.
1: Is that on purpose?
0: I have to imagine. So
1: it's not because he couldn't get the rights to it or something. I it might be that,
0: but then I think it also is leads into that. But then it adds to the whole. Of yeah, it all. it's like poetry. Yeah. Um, that's really about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've said the whole thing about how, you know, the last 29 minutes of the film are untrue, but the first hour is, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. And do you know what we haven't mentioned? Elmir? Imagine
0: mm-hmm. just
1: being able to paint like that or forge things like that. That's a talent.
0: It's super interesting where it's that whole to thing... spend of,
1: more time there.
0: Yeah. Just make a film almost about Elmir and that relationship with how his... Because that's the thing, like... The the main two narratives are what's interesting, Elmer, and the guy who wrote his biography turning out to also then being a charlta- charlatan. Yeah. If you just focus on that relationship and the idea that was maybe Irving corrupted by working with Elmer, and the idea of being a forger came in, like, I don't no, know.
1: No, no, we're just going to spend like 40,000 years looking at Orson Wells' hot girlfriend.
0: And then Orson monologuing a lot.
1: <laughs> in dark parks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this, well, I mean, to be honest, this is part of Orson Welles' famous Dark Parks trilogy. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Ugh.
2: <laughs> um,
0: We'll go on to the actual Criterion edition itself. So it's still in print from Criterion as a one-disc Blu-ray or two-disc DVD. It's also available on the Criterion channel, but uh, it also comes with audio commentary by star and co-writer Oya Koda and director of photography Gary Graver. Uh, introduction by director Peter Bogdanovich. Extended nine-minute trailer. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Orson, well- Orson Welles, One Man Band from 1995. An 88-minute documentary about Wells' unfinished projects. Almost True, The Noble Art of Forgery from 1997. A 52-minute documentary about art forger Elmira DeHory. 60-minute interview with Clifford Irving from 2000 about his Howard Hughes autobiography hoax. A 1972 Hughes press conference... Exposing Irving's hoax, as well as the usual booklet and essays that Criterion usually do. Mm. So some interesting stuff that kind of delves into the more interesting s- stuff in this yep. film yep, yep, that yep, the yep. film itself is not that concerned with. No. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that that is F for fake. Mm. Uh, the the documentary train keeps on rolling though with our with the next episode. Yeah. Which is uh, Steve James's absolutely amazing 1994 documentary, Hoop Dreams.
1: Ah, yes, we might have a special guest on that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, keep an eye out for that. But otherwise, um, yeah, we're, we're continuing on with the Patreon. There's some fun stuff happening over there. Uh, Lee's killing it over on our Instagram account, so look up the Criterion Quest over on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter, at Criterion Quest, or uh, you can send us an email. We do love hearing from you guys. Uh, we're kind of recording a few of these out of sequence, so if we haven't gotten to your email or your comments or anything, um, we, you know, we're know, we a little scattershot at the moment with the whole lockdown stuff, but uh, we do love hearing from you, and we will uh, in future keep reading all of those out. Um, but yeah, you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll be back in two weeks' time with Hoop Dreams. Yay. And I'm sorry for effort fakely.
1: <laughs> no worries. <laughs>
0: Alrighty. Well for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Lee. We'll see you next time.